Hello, and welcome to What About Us, a podcast that discusses how history, culture, and policy affect rural Tennesseans. I'm Sandy Rice, and I'm happy to be part of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Go to tnholler.com to check out the shows and podcasts hollering the truth across Tennessee. Sign up for the newsletter and make a donation because the holler is people-powered. Also check out the tennesseeholler.com to see if you have a holler close to you that posts on Facebook and Twitter about issues in your community. I really feel like we are in the lazy days of summer, and that is a good thing. I hope it continues. My guest today is Emily Parton, director of the Grundy County Schools Family Resource Center and Discover Together Grundy County. Welcome, Emily, and thank you for taking the time to do the podcast. You are one busy gal. I am, and I'm really kind of interested to know why you think these are the lazy days of summer. I don't feel like I have time to be lazy, nor does anyone I know. I don't know. I guess I'm thinking about when I was 15 and didn't have anything to do. Those times are gone. (laughs) Regular listeners know that Grundy County in Middle Tennessee ranks low in many health outcomes and factors, um, including social and economic indicators. And this in a state, Tennessee, that ranks low in good things like education spending and voting turnout and high in the bad things like gun violence and bankruptcies compared to the rest of the country. But we are not going to go through those statistics today. Good, because they haven't changed in a long time. As a matter of fact, in Grundy County, we are considered being in persistent poverty, which means that we have um, had 20% or more of our folks beneath the poverty level for over 30 years. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So there's... Currently, there's about nine other counties in Tennessee <laughs> that are distressed. That are distressed, and so um, that often sets us up to receive some extra funding from folks like um, Appalachian Region Commission and so forth. But it also creates uh, quite a challenge for your school systems, like you discussed, as far as stats and low education hmm. ratings, because. Uh, even though you, you may have some pretty bright kids, as we know, a lot of times what they're exposed to uh, with reading and just conversation in the early years of life or opportunities and to go to museums and things like that really add to their educational learning. And so it's hard to overcome generational poverty. That's right, right. And, of course, the influence of health. Sure. Which we've discussed uh, that what I've discussed many times on the program, but um, so that Emily, you're a lifelong resident of both Tracy City and Grundy County, um, so you've kind of painted us a, painted us a picture of what's here. Do you want to give a I, little more history? As a, I am not a lifelong resident. Oh, you're not. Okay. Born and raised, and then I did what a lot of bright teenagers do. I graduated from high school and left. Oh, okay. All right. Um, That's called brain drain. Mm -hmm. Um, But then 20 years later, my father became ill and I've moved back. So I was actually here for 20 years, gone for 20 years, and I've been back for 20 years. Okay. Okay. Uh, In the years that I uh, were gone, I received my education and my training to be a licensed professional counselor and I worked off um, in other states before coming home. And then when I came home, I worked in that field for about 10 years, 
community mental health and then um, moved over to work for the Grundy County Schools as the Family Resource Center. Okay. So as you can imagine, I actually work with the same families, just in a little bit different role mm -hmm. from counselor to more of an advocate. Okay. Okay. Um, I've met a lot of teachers that um, have, have worked in Grundy County, and they're proud of their work mm -hmm. and the challenges. Well, um, I would say that they are proud of what they're able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. It is very challenging and uh, burnout, of, you, of course, you would imagine there is mm -hmm. burnout. Uh, lots of turnover in the administrative side of things, which is difficult for a teacher who sometimes feel like they're on the, the bottom rung, mm -hmm. uh, the buck stops here kind of, kind of situation. And I mean, I, I could tell you what generation pov generational poverty uh, does from an adverse childhood experiences mm -hmm. situation as far as impacts the child's ability to learn, to stay focused, to make mm -hmm. good decisions. And so if you've got a classroom of 30 kids and even 10 of them have been raised in this impoverished experience, um, your classroom management is going to be very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, of course, with with all the emphasis now on on teachers being able to show progress and standardized testing and all, it can be overwhelming for a teacher to try to meet the needs that are in the classroom socially, emotionally, and academically. Mm -hmm. When you talk about adverse effects, maybe there was an argument at home last night and nobody got any sleep. Mm -hmm. um, there may be a, a single mother uh, trying to juggle a couple jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, work lately has been the answer to everything, but if, if mom or parents are working, they're not home with the kids. Right. And there used to be the term latchkey kids. Mm -hmm. And um, well, it I seems... Was, I was a latchkey kid. Okay. Um, and you made good. Well, the, the there's a difference between a latchkey kid and a, a, a child growing up without any supervision okay. or in, in a form of neglect. Kids that come home and are not sure whether, you know, they're, if the mom's going to come home or mm -hmm. if the dad's going to come home and, and be mean. Um, it's or their, or grandparents maybe are raising them. Grandparents are raising a lot of grandchildren right now. Because of uh, incarceration or trouble with the law or trouble with... Uh, drugs, drugs or a job, um, yep, it's, or even in the armed armed services. Mm -hmm. You know that that's been the only job opportunity they felt they could, mm -hmm. you know, secure. I think people uh, at large don't understand both the things you're talking about and just health, mm -hmm. what it's like to uh, not have a home or a substandard home or not have a bathtub or running water or storage or or things like that and just puts puts everything in a in in a different perspective i think for the most part people don't under understand poverty mm -hmm. and what it's like to live uh, without opportunity and advancement and and uh, the things that you know most of most people kind of take for granted now Dracy said he has an old school high school which you attended and we're sitting in right now yes um 
And a new one was built in Colmont in what year? How long is that? 1997. Um, they left the present high school and moved into the new one. Mm -hmm. And then this high school that we're sitting in was pretty much vacated and remained vacant until last year. Mm -hmm. So that was a good 20 years <clears throat> being shuttered. And I say shuttered tongue-in-cheek because most of the windows would have been broken <laughs> out. So instead of it being shuttered in, it, it often was um, a lot of moisture coming in. Mm -hmm. But this, this high school, the old Grundy County High School, has been probably one of the most beloved campuses, location, with, with memories spanning back to the 1930s when it was built. Uh, I think maybe 37 or 38 was one of the first graduating classes. Some of those folks may still be around, but as, as you can do the math, we've lost most of those. But um, it did sit vacant. It did require a lot of, it was going to require a lot of renovation in order to be able to utilize it again, and there really wasn't a vision for that. Mm -hmm. There was a there was a vision actually right when it first closed, but it you know as things happen, it really wasn't the time. And so, in 2011, 2012, uh, a committee was formed that uh, me and another lady kind of spearheaded with the vision of opening this campus back up and filling it up with as many resources for our families as possible. Um, of course, thinking like that, you're, you know, you've got several prongs that you have to juggle at the same time. It, on the one hand, you've got to raise a lot of money. <clears throat> on the other hand, you've got to find agencies willing to locate and pay to be here. And then the building itself is owned by a very small town, Tracy City, and you've got to get those folks on board, which is a city council of four with a mayor and every two years the council comes up for re-election so you never know who you're going to be working with um, and then just the whole issue of of trying to secure state and federal grants that have their own time timetable um, so it's been a long process we were able to juggle all of those that I just discussed and a year ago today, as a matter of oh, fact, really? we opened the door. July 1. Yep. The first tenant moved in, um, and that was the Grundy County Safe Baby Court office, um, which we can talk about in a bit. But since that time, the, the part of the building that's completely renovated, which is 3,000 square foot on the first story of a two-story uh, classroom building, is completely leased out by agencies and paying itself, sustaining itself. Oh, good. And we are in the process now of um, renovating a gymnasium that's a, a full, full-size gym. With, it's the old Tommy gym with the built-in bleachers. Um, and it's going to be a beautiful venue. And we're also getting ready to go to bid for the second story of the of the two-story complex that will house some community college 
Oh, classes. Oh, good. Okay. All right. So what's what's here? What's Where here now is uh, Volunteer Behavioral Health, who has offices in probably 30 to 40 of the 95 counties. Um, they became our anchor client. I used to work for Volunteer when I first moved back here. And when, uh, when we started this project, I reached back to them and said, you know, because when I worked for them, I lived in Tracy City, but worked for them in Jasper. And all the Grundy County clients had to leave the mountain, go off the mountain. To and they don't like to do that, do they? No, and I wouldn't either if I was them. <laughs> so when we first began to talk about this, you know, I kept urging them and encouraging them to think about opening a full office on the mountain. And that was really not in their um, plans at the time because everybody had consolidated. Mm -hmm. There used to be a full office here back in the 80s. So, but because it took so long to raise the money and it took so long to do the renovation, but the time we were ready to actually move in, they, as a corporation, as a nonprofit, were ready to actually move offices back out into the counties instead of having a consolidated office, which was perfect timing. Mm -hmm. um, so they have a full office here. Of course, then COVID hit and everybody okay. worked from home. So even though they have complete office space, um, most of them are still working from home. But a full mental health office. And then Volunteer also has a lot of grant programs that they run, mm -hmm. and one of those uh, that they that they house is the Grundy Safe Communities Coalition, which is an anti-drug coalition that works okay. primarily on preventative measures with youth. Um, they'll also have programs for veterans, homeless veterans. Um, they do a lot of outreach around getting children signed up for mental health coverage so that's that really takes up half mm -hmm. of the first floor and then also our like i said our first agency that leased space was the grundy county baby court safe baby court okay and grundy was the first there were two counties that the state piloted the safe baby court in. One was urban, and that was Davidson County, and the other was rural, and they chose Grundy. That was about four years ago. And the two pilot projects did really well. Um, they've, they've proven that the concept works, and it's a it's a concept based on a zero to three model that you can read about. Um, but the underlying theory is that when a family gets involved with DCS, Department of Children's Services, and there is a child between zero and three years of age that's going to be involved, then that family, in our county at least, it's not across the board, but in our county, we chose that that family would immediately be transferred out of the regular juvenile court system and into what's called safe baby court. And in doing so, the family will have wraparound services. 
to try to assist the parents in the um, parenting plan, the permanency plan that Department of Children's Services works around in an effort to get that baby in the most stable situation as quickly as possible. So in the past, before there was a safe baby court, the baby was often removed, <laughs> put in foster care, or into the care of a family member. And then the permanency plan was put in place, but there was really no one walking alongside that parenting, those parents to, to aid the, in the process. Months would go by, temporary custody would you know, change into months and months and years and years. And in my role as both a counselor and with the school system, I often ran across families or, or children who had been in quote unquote temporary custody of an aunt or a grandparent for 10, 12, 14 mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. and would, would be awaiting mom or dad to come just about every weekend to take them home. And of course that never materialized mm -hmm. and that's, that's another adverse childhood experience. Of course. So, um, so the, the outcomes that Safe Baby Court have realized is that they're, they're able to either get the parent on track mm -hmm. more quickly or the child is put into a more permanent home more quickly. And if that's the case, either way, it benefits the child that they become in a more, you know, they, they get a more stable environment. Mm -hmm. um, also in that office is a wonderful program called Nurture the Next. Uh, they used to be called Prevent Child Abuse Tennessee, but they changed their name just, just oh, in the last couple of years good. ago. They are a home visiting program. Mm -hmm. When someone becomes pregnant, they can receive services from them. Or if they have a young child, I believe under three, they can start the service. I may be wrong about that, but it, the child has to be fairly young. But then they can stay in the home, you know, not literally, but visit be in involved. the home mm -hmm. um, until that child is, is pretty old. Mm -hmm. And they do a lot of parenting classes one-on-one -on -one in the home. And it's all preventative. They're, they don't work with families who are already involved in the Department of Children's Services. Okay. They, it's all to try to keep kids from getting in that situation to begin mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. And then here in my office, of course, I'm with the Family Resource Center and Discover Together Grundy. Um, I work with all of the schools in Grundy County. That's six elementary and one high school. I get referrals from teachers, from counselors, nurses, um, for kids who are struggling academically, but not because they can't handle the academic work, but like you said earlier, there's something going on at home that's hindering them at school. Um, so I'll, I'll work with families and try to get them referred for, for services, whether it be mental health or job or help with utilities, housing, so forth. Also in this office, I'm very, very thankful to, um, to say that the American Job Center, which mm -hmm. is federally funded and state funded, um, 
resource for folks that are looking for work has an office here now and um, they they were or they're here now only three days a week but they hope to have someone here five days a week and so that's very exciting and back when we started the thought of renovating this building they were at the table with us um, and we were begging them just like you know mental health it has to be here you've got to have a presence in the county people are not going to go off the mountain and talk to somebody they don't know I mean you hate to make it sound like that everyone is really backward but it's a trust issue it's a you know they got to know that whoever they they're going to start talking to is going to be there two months from now when they need to talk to them again and that's historically not been the case with a lot of the agencies that that work in Grundy mm -hmm. um, in Appalachia especially we are covered by by agencies that often have 10 or 11 other counties that they cover mm -hmm. so you'll have someone you know 90 miles away that's your quote-unquote representative and they might be in the area once every six months and and I'm not gonna say just Appalachian people are like this I think everybody's like this you know if you're gonna if you're gonna open up your life history to someone you want them to cherish it hold on to it treat it with respect and be there and if there's one thing that people don't want to do is open up their life history and then the next month it's a new person that right. you have to talk to and you have to go through it again mm -hmm. you know we've done a lot of work you you know you talked in your opening comment that this was about something something in policy um, culture and history. Culture, history, and policy. <laughs> I've just added those. Okay. Um, we've worked hard to try to get the people who, you know, are in the urban areas reaching out to the rural areas to not just reach out to us, but to come on over, invest in putting an office here for the long haul. And unfortunately, when you're working with nonprofits or any federally or state funded grant, um, they give you about a year or two to prove yourself. And if you don't have the outcome and output measures, the money goes away. And that's the worst thing that could happen in a rural area. Mm -hmm. um, just like if you were going to start a business as an entrepreneur. The advice that someone's going to give you is you got to run that business for three years without taking a dime out of it. Mm -hmm. You just keep putting it back in there. Then after three years, you might take a little of the profit and try to live on it, but you don't rob it for the first three years. And unfortunately, a lot of the grants have about a two year, three year thing. And then they say, well, wow, y'all didn't really, you know, well, you're just getting your roots. Mm -hmm. In, in a three-year period. Don't rip them out. Mm -hmm. um, that happens a lot. It's, it's very frustrating. Well, it's, it's my understanding um, that, you know, historically, and I don't know if people remember this or it's been passed down, but, but um, Grundy County has had some coal there for a while, and people came in and gave jobs and took all that, and out they went. Mm -hmm and forestry mm -hmm. the same way and left a little damage here. Mm -hmm. So there's a real... As far as coal is concerned, 
they were here for a while. Mm -hmm. Coal started here in the 1840s, and they really didn't pull out until the 1980s. So you're talking quite a while that had it not been for the coal found in Tracy City, there wouldn't be a University of the South. Okay, yeah. Coal brought miners. It brought uh, businesses to the area to cater to the employees. Um, And there were a lot of people from out of town that moved in and, you know, that were on the employment side or the the business side of it all. Um, Another historical thing that built up this area was the Swiss colony. I was going to say, we want to talk about Rootley Lager and the Swiss colony. Yeah. And they were, if you want to say done wrong, they were done (laughs) wrong too because they were... They were told back in Switzerland that they were buying some of their richest, most fertile ground in America, and then they got here, and it was on top of a rocky plateau. Mm -hmm. But they turned lemons into lemonade, and I don't know if they all came and were farmers and then suddenly had to think how to reinvent themselves, Mm -hmm. but they did, and they Mm -hmm. reinvented themselves as business people that we still have businesses Mm -hmm around today and a big bakery mm-hmm. if they're not it's not the same people no but bag and stuff the bag and stuff the and greeters the uh marugs i mean there's all kinds of swiss names and they did well for themselves warners um so there's a lot of history uh and then of course you've got just the appalachian folks that have been here from the beginning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um well, in talking about jobs, when I drive through Grundy County, um, I, I don't I don't see a lot of opportunity. And the patients that I saw too, I mean, there's a lot of little little shops. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if I call them shops. What would you call them? It's a, a gas of, stations yeah. with a market. Deli. Not a lot of advancement or job opportunities. So, insurance. and no insurance and the largest like employer is the Grundy County School okay. system. Okay. Okay. And, uh, but there again, um, that takes some, you got to go somewhere and get education to do do, that. But the school system is the largest. And then, um, right beneath that was the smokehouse. And of course, when the smokehouse burned down, with the the restaurant burning down, that took a major toll. Um, and then the university of the South hires a lot of people from Grundy Mm -hmm. and, and their, housekeeping and grounds works and dining hall um, but then the rest of the people either drive off the mountain to factories um, or the nurseries in McMinnville the nurseries which is labor intensive or they or they are self-employed mm-hmm. uh, cutting wood mm-hmm. then there's the worm farm mm-hmm. the worm farm actually hires quite a few folks. So uh, we had talked uh, uh, about um, tutoring, Mm -hmm. the tutoring program to help kids get more training and education to have more opportunity. Right. But what is... um, I, um, through Discover Together, Grundy, um, which we really haven't talked about, and I'll tell you a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. The University of the South, of course, is just down the road. Mm -hmm. And one of the when they first um, allowed 
young women to attend the college, there was a young woman from Winchester that was accepted. And her name was Linda Mays. Mm -hmm. And she came to the University of the South and graduated and went on to Vanderbilt. She was actually the valedictorian when it was she was a senior. Went on to Vanderbilt and then further on to Yale and has been at Yale ever since. Linda Mays continued to give back to the area even though she was at Yale. She is now the, the uh, director of the Yale Child Study Center which does a lot of research around adverse childhood experiences. Mm -hmm. In her role at Yale, she became very involved with Scholastic Publishing out of New York, who wanted to begin to address ACEs mm -hmm. through their literature mm -hmm. and have books around social-emotional learning and train teachers how to watch for uh, children who are exhibiting issues around that. And so she formed a relationship with Scholastic, Yale and Scholastic did. And they began to want to pilot a project where they were reaching out into a rural setting because they were doing work in the urban um, with parents of very young children. So she, through her relationship with the University of the South, asked if there would be anyone in Grundy County that would want to partner with her and Yale and Scholastic. And so I just happened to just landed in my role with the school system and jumped on the opportunity to work with those folks who are so involved in research and on the cutting edge. So probably 2011, about the same time all this other stuff was going mm -hmm. on, we formed a partnership and opened up Discover Together Family Co-op, which is a birth to five program where the parent of the child comes with the child two days a week for two hours. And the teacher that's an employee of Discover Together works with the parent on parenting and works with the child at the same time. So the teacher sees, or the parent sees the teacher working with their child in a modeling Mm -hmm. And then the teacher can see the parent working with the child and intervene if there's need be or praise, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we opened that based on a lot of research around ACEs and the importance of social connectedness between a parent and a child, especially in those very early years. It's been a beautiful program. It's still going today. And at the same time we were opening that, we just on a fluke decided that the elementary school in Tracy City needed a summer camp for some of the kids who were very live wires in the classroom. And so that was Camp Discover that we opened. And that's still going on to this day. Um, once they began to graduate out of elementary school and going on to high school, we were like, well, wait a minute, we can't just drop them. So we began this tutoring program that you mentioned. And kids who are, live on this end of the county, they have tutoring at the current high school, but they don't offer transportation. And so if a kid rides the bus to school from 30 miles away on one end of the county to the high school, 
they can't really stay after school if they can't ride home. Get home. So we're offering it on this side, end of the county for any kid, not just those that have been involved in camp. Um, and staying involved with them, Camp Discover brings those kids who graduate from elementary back as camp counselors for the two weeks of camp. And now we're getting them to come during the school year to, to the tutoring center. And then, as I said earlier, we're working with Chat State to offer community college classes when the upstairs is completed. And the dream is to just, right after they graduate from high school, just hold their hand on upstairs here and let them start their college mm -hmm. career. We, we used to get a grant from the Appalachian Region Commission, and I'm talking about the Grundy County Schools, um, to help get our kids interested in college. So there were a lot of, the money was actually to be used to have college fairs and trips and visits to college. Mm -hmm. And that grant was based on the fact that we had less than 50% of our kids go to college. Then we began to have more than 50% go. And once they saw that, they said, oh, well, you don't need this funding anymore. But as I told them then, and I'll tell you now, just because you go to college doesn't, doesn't mean you're, you're going to stay. And so if we can get some cohorts, very similar to how you work with Safe Baby Court, you know, you get these little babies when they're little and you wrap services around them. If we can get a cohort of freshman college kids here, make sure they get that English algebra, whatever you have to do as a first-year freshman community college person, and them not have to drive their car 45 minutes to an hour away mm -hmm. five days a week, then we think we can hold on to them and get them through that tough first and second when they get semester. There. What you needed most in your tutoring program were math teachers. And if there are anybody <laughs> out <listening>, there, <laughs> algebra, algebra one and two, killing our high school kids. It's absolutely killing them. Before we tie up a few things, um, just emphasize the uh, effect of, you called them um, ACEs, that's adverse child events. Adverse childhood events and um, poverty have, have on um, this community and other rural communities. Um, I think um, there, there may be a lot of people listening that say, well, I don't, you know, why don't parents parent? You know, they, they have parents and, you know, families and why, why do these people, you know, need help or why can't they figure out algebra or find a job or, you know, get something to do? Well, because of those things and the 30-year history of, um, of poverty and challenges and marginalized people. So, um, do you think other rural communities could do this type of program? Which type of program? The whole shebang? <laughs> Any piece. Let me, let me tell you, um, unless you've got people willing to wear a lot of hats, mm -hmm. deal with anxiety, deal with hurry up and wait. No, seriously. Um, Tracy City is a township of 1,500 people who have a budget of $500,000.
and there is never wiggle room. Mm -hmm. If a community is going to take on anything other than the basic infrastructure, mm -hmm. then if you don't have community support, it won't happen because mm -hmm. the funding is just not there. It's just not there. Well, two years ago, I started this podcast because I saw rural communities being ignored, forgotten across Tennessee. Shuttered storefronts, closed hospitals, inadequate health care, aging communities, loss of young people to the city or other problems like drugs and alcohol, lack of opportunity and poverty. The state's government's focus is on big business and the problems of urban areas and actually in Tennessee, a national agenda of social concerns, not Tennesseans. So guess what? I'm going to keep on doing what about us? Good. I would like to do an action plan. And I, I want people to be inspired. Talk to people. What does your community need? This is for people that live in rural areas. Can you do a bike trail, a program with a university, a, a business plan? And be aware, I've said this from the very beginning, get a state newspaper, either online or go to the library. Get local news. I love the Chattanooga Times Free Press. Well, I don't always love all of it. <laughs> but there's a lot of things happening in the state that you need to do that you need to know about and apply to your community. Uh, you know, don't, don't let pundits and talking heads uh, nationwide tell you what to do and think. Don't get mad, get active. Um, talk to your school board, get involved with aldermen, commissioners, the county mayor, state reps about taxes, schools, farm issues, charitable organizations. Care about your community because we have a beautiful state, we have beautiful rural areas and we have good people. Um, and we have a lot of people that want to visit us and take um, advantage of our hiking trails, our bike trails, our fishing, our lakes, everything that the rural community offers. A lot of people want to retire here. Emily, anything else? I do love this community. I never thought I would come back because, mm -hmm. you know, there wasn't going to be anything here for me, I didn't think. Um, but my parents always instilled in me and in, in my brothers to bloom mm -hmm. where you're planted and when I came back I've had an opportunity I think to really put down some good roots and and do some things that have been uh, life-changing for me and hopefully for others mm -hmm. thank you Emily. thank you for the work that you're doing with the birth of the clinic it's mm -hmm. very needed and Something that I've watched grow and been a little bit of a part of mm -hmm. and the dental thing we have been really pushing for that. So yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And um we hope that we can work on some things together mm -hmm. with what you've got going here. Yep. Alrighty, well this has been What About Us, a podcast about how policies, history and culture affect rural Tennesseans. Uh and we've hit them all. Just about. Not a requirement, but we did it anyway, um, and we're part of the uh, TNHoller.com podcast network. Mm -hmm.